DiscerningHearts.com presents Hope in Difficult Times with St. Therese and her family with Father Timothy Gallagher. This podcast is an audio taken from a Discerning Hearts retreat conducted by Father Timothy Gallagher, which features the lives of St. Therese of Lisieux, Saints Louis and Zelle Martin, Servant of God Leone Martin, and the entire Martin family. The video taken at this retreat can be found in this episode post on discerninghearts.com, or you can find it on the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. We now begin Conference 8. I think what we'll do is skip ahead to this short note of Therese to Sister Marie of St. Joseph. Now let's read this note and then go back over what's going on here. So this is just a short note written to Sister Maria of St. Joseph. And what they would do is when one or the other was on retreat and they were not speaking to each other, they would write notes to communicate if they needed to or wanted to. That's why you have these written notes between sisters uh, in the Carmel. Now, Sister Maria of St. Joseph is 15 years older than Therese. And this is in 1896. So Therese is now 23. She has a little over about a year and a half yet to live, and she is in the full maturity now of her sanctity and her doctrine and her teaching. Maybe not full yet because the final trials will mature this even deeper, but she is now very deeply mature spiritually. And she says to the sister, now look at the the metaphors and uh, the third use of the third person. I, so that's Therese, am delighted with the little child. And so she's referring to Sister Marie of St. Joseph as a child. And the one who carries her in her, his arms, that's Jesus, is still more delighted than I. How beautiful is the little child's vocation. It is not one mission that she must evangelize, but all missions. How will she do this? By loving, by sleeping, and then underlined by throwing flowers, and I give you the French there, to Jesus when he is asleep. Then Jesus will take these flowers, and giving them inestimable value, he will throw them in his turn. He will have them fly over all shores and will save souls. And then in parentheses, she writes, with the flowers, with the love of a little child, who will see nothing, but will always smile, even through her tears a child, a missionary, even a warrior. What a marvel. Now, if you just read that, you would very easily say that's kind of sentimental, flowery language. Does it have any teeth to it? Does it are there any feet on the ground here? And I want to quote that because um, Therese's language is flowery, very often is flowery. And for some people, it's off-putting. Uh, others, it attracts But to get at what Therese is doing when she writes this way, you really have to know what she means by what she's saying here. So let's do a little bit of the background and context of this. So this is Sister Maria of uh, Saint Joseph. Sister Maria of Saint Joseph lost her mother at nine years. She was impulsive. She had severe mood swings, and she could easily fall into fits of really violent anger. Uh, She was very, very difficult to deal with. And she was a trial to the whole community. And the the sisters kept her at a distance. Nobody wanted to relate to her, understandably, you know, because you would get the brunt of her anger and, and mood swings. And so 
she tended to be isolated in the community. And that was for Therese something she would never allow. She would never endure. When she saw someone being isolated or set aside, regardless of the difficulties of the person character, that kind of drew her like a magnet uh, toward that person at great cost to herself and knowing how difficult it would be. This is what I mean. The language is flowery, but what the language means is exactly the opposite of anything flowery. She had a certain intelligence, good memory. She had some musical ability. And Therese recognizes that there is goodness in her heart. But when she sees the whole community avoiding this sister, so she would be given tasks that would not that she could do alone and basically uh, didn't have much contact with the others. She resisted that. The response of the community to Sister Maria of San Joseph ostracizing her just increased her emotional uh, struggles and pain. And so what Therese does, this sister is in charge of the linen uh, in washing and uh, sewing and repairing and so forth. And when everybody else is ostracizing this sister and keeping their distance, Therese offers to help her in the linen room, which was no small thing because she knows exactly what this is going to mean. And it did mean that she would be the brunt of that anger and uh, all the emotional struggles of this sister. And fully knowing that she steps into this situation of isolation and wants to bring love into it. She calls this casting flowers, jeter des fleurs. That's why I pulled it out from the French there, casting flowers. The language is flowery, sugary, but what it's saying is, as I keep saying, it's steel. So she offers to help the sister in her work in the linen room, and she does this not simply to assist her in her tasks, but because she wants to help the sister. Basically, she wants to love the sister and help her in her struggles. Marie later describes Sister Maria of San Joseph. This sister was subject to the blackest moods and did scarcely any work. I saw her when Sister Therese was already an invalid, come to her to call for the week's linen, which she had given her to repair. And because Sister Therese had not been able to complete her task, this sister reproached her severely instead of thanking her for what she had done in spite of being so ill. Sister Therese took the reproaches as if they were so much praise. This poor, unfortunate sister became the object of Sister Therese's tenderest compassion. One day, when I had confided to her, Therese, how much trouble that sister gave me, the servant of God, this is the early stages of her canonization process, said, Ah, if you only knew how necessary it is to forgive her, how much she is to be pitied. It's not her fault if she is so poorly gifted, which is true. Whatever, you know, the loss of her mother, whatever her upbringing was, it must have been very difficult to have these kinds of emotional problems. And she really had no special talents in any way. It's not her fault if she is so poorly gifted. She is like, this Therese's metaphors, she is like an old clock that has to be rewound every quarter of an hour. You know, she's emotionally needy, and you have to help her and be with her every quarter of an hour. Yes, it is as bad as all that. Well, wouldn't you have pity on it? Oh, how necessary it is to practice charity toward one, towards one neighbor. So that's what underlies the metaphors and the flowery language uh, with which uh, Therese writes. This sister, Saint Joseph, uh, uh, Sister Maria of Saint Joseph, 
Finally, at age 51, they had a medical consultation and they recognized that her emotional problems were so severe that she should not stay in the monastery. And so she is at age 51 obliged to leave the convent. And then I'll just conclude this brief review of, of this sister. This is a letter that she writes, and it's shortly before her death. We're in 1929 now. So she leaves and she, she struggles the best that she can, but she never forgot Therese, you know, this one who had reached out to her in love. And look what she says here. I am working hard to remain a little child, and I want to remain docile and confident in her, that's Therese, holy arms, in order to be so Therese is canonized at this point, in order to be what she wanted me to be. So something came through and spoke to her heart. I am nothing, my sweet Jesus, but this poor little nothing that I am from now on is going to get lost in you. I can tell you honestly now that my sojourn has become peaceful and I can leave now in total abandonment, provided that I love my Jesus and I can satisfy him and also little Therese. I don't care what is left. Therese, in her little ways, she complete, as I said, she completely transformed that convent. Okay, so she, this is her metaphor, casting flowers, jeter des fleurs. And uh, this was something that she did literally at various points in her life. So these are artists' representation of the Corpus Christi procession through uh, Lisieux when these young girls would dress in white and they would be given roses and they would cast these roses along the path of the Blessed Sacrament as it went on. And not alone, uh, Trez would do this. She'd gather the novices out there and there were roses in that uh, garden and they would stand around the cross and unpetal the roses, just casting them on the crucifix. And even uh, in her last months of that great illness that takes her life, at times, Therese would do this. She had a crucifix, which later was given to Leonie, and she treasured it for the rest of her life. There would be, roses would be brought to her, and she would just take the petals and gently just put them on, on the crucifix. So this is something that she has done, but she's giving it a spiritual meaning now. So look at this. She's 15 years younger, but she is spiritually profoundly mature at this time. I am delighted with the little child. Whoever said anything like that to Sister Maria San Joseph? You know, uh, the endearing little child word, and I'm delighted with you. I love what I see in you. I see goodness there. Whoever said things like this to her in her life? So again, the language is flowery, but what's being communicated is beautiful. As I said, Therese always knows how to speak to each heart. So I am delighted with the little child, but even more, the one who carries her in his arms is more delighted than I. Who has ever told her that Jesus is, delights in her? And this is one of eight notes that Therese wrote her over these weeks. Ah, how beautiful is the little child's vocation. So what is your calling? It's beautiful. It is not one mission that she must evangelize, but all missions. So who has ever said to her that your life and your struggles have value. They bless the church. Given to Jesus, they bring grace upon the church. And you see Therese's, that the wide radius of her view, you know, out to the whole of the church and the missions. All right, so how is she going to bless this, uh, all these missions of the church? How will she do this? By loving, by sleeping, because she had a hard time sleeping. 
And then she says, by casting flowers, throwing flowers on chetant de fleurs to Jesus when he is asleep. All right, that's flowery language. What does it mean? So these gestures of patience, of persevering in a difficult situation, bearing with her trials, these are the flowers and raise them up to Jesus. Then Jesus will take these flowers and giving them inestimable value, that is filling them with his power, with his love and his grace, he will throw them in his turn. He will cast flowers too. And he will have them fly over all shores and will save souls. What's he, what she's saying here is, you know, we, we've talked about these small gestures of love that we try to do. And really, that's all that we're called to do, basically, most of us for most of our lives. All right, well, what value do they have? In themselves, not much. But raised up to Jesus and then filled with his power and his love, and then returned as a shower of blessing upon the church. They have great power. And that's what she means. Cast these flowers to Jesus, and they will have great power. Again, who has ever said anything like this to Sister Marie of St. Joseph? Your vocation is so beautiful. And these things that you do have great power. So with the flowers, with the love of the little child who will see nothing, but will always smile even through her tears. Of course, it's not easy to live this way. There will be tears, but you'll persevere in the midst of them, smiling even. A child, a missionary, even a warrior, what a marvel. We'll return to Hope in Difficult Times with St. Therese and her family with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to Hope in Difficult Times with St. Therese and her family with Father Timothy Gallagher. Then oh, we have the passage here in the story of a soul where Therese explains what she means by throwing flowers. How will she prove her love since love is proved by works? All right, my vocation in the heart of the church will be love. Well, love has to be shown by works. How am I going to do that? Well, the little child, so she means herself, again, third person in metaphors, that's the way Therese writes most of the, very, very often. Well, the little child will strew flowers, jetera de fleurs. She will perfume 
perfume the royal throne with their sweet scents, and she will sing in her silvery tones the canticle of love. But what does that mean? Yes, my beloved, this is how my life will be consumed. I want to live this way to the last day of my life, which she does. I have no other means of proving my love for you, and that's true of all of us, other than of strewing flowers. And now this is what casting flowers means. That is, not allowing one little sacrifice to escape. Here is this isolated, suffering sister in the linen room. I'm not going to let that escape. And not letting one such little sacrifice escape. Not one look, a smile that can change someone's day. I'm not going to overlook it. Uh, Not allowing one work to escape, one thing that I can do that's going to bless others and then raised up to you will bring grace upon the church. I desire to suffer for love. And there's the holy face. I desire to suffer for love and even to rejoice through love, whether I am in sorrow or enjoy all through love. And in this way, I shall strew flowers before your throne. I shall not come upon one without unpedaling it for you. And this is where I use the adjective relentless of Therese, and she was. Remember the other sister who thought that Therese was her close friend? Uh, Because, again, another sister that everyone ostracized, she was so difficult. And Therese, again, went out to her in a way that convinced this sister that Therese was her closest friend. Therese says sometimes of that sister, the only way I could respond at some points, it was so difficult, I just had to leave. But this is what she means. I'm not going to let one opportunity like this go without unpedaling it for you. While I am strewing my flowers, I shall sing. So I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to smile. For could one cry while doing such a joyous action? So when Sister Maria of Saint Joseph uh, pours out her violent anger upon Therese, she's, there won't be tears. I'm going to smile because how can you? How could you not smile when you're doing an action like this for you, Jesus? So you know, I've often said you don't, you can't go very far into this story without touching the heroic. It's there in every line. I shall sing even when I must gather my flowers in the midst of thorns, and my song will be all the more melodious in proportion to the length and sharpness of the thorns. That's why all the sisters ever saw of Therese was that smile. So much so that they just thought it came naturally to her and there wasn't even any virtue in it. Then she asks this question, O Jesus, of what use will my flowers be to you, these little actions that I do with all the love that I can? I know very well that this fragrant shower, these fragile, worthless petals, these songs of love from from the littlest of hearts will charm you, that Jesus will gladly welcome what she's doing. Yes, these nothings will please you. There's the pleasing that's uh, so often there. They will bring a smile to the church triumphant. She will gather up my flowers unpetaled through love and have them pass through your own divine hands, O Jesus. And this church in heaven, desirous of playing with her little child, so the language is sentimental, uh, but not the reality, will cast these flowers, which are now infinitely valuable because of your divine touch upon the church suffering, purgatory, in order to extinguish its flames and upon the church militant in this world in order to gain the victory for it. Let's just take one example here. I actually cited this. This is uh, Sister Marie of the Trinity. So this is one flower that she casts up into the arms of Jesus. 
I have always felt the three long months of our angel's agony. I'd been forbidden to speak to her under the pretext that as I was young, I might contract her sickness, which was the obviously contagious, the tuberculosis. So they have, for that reason, forbidden her to have contact with Therese. I was certain of the opposite, for Sister Therese had told me nobody would catch her disease, that she had asked God for this. Each day, so she's in the infirmary, news of her health was sadder and sadder, and I was smothered with pain. One day, I went to take a walk in the garden, and I saw her in her wheelchair, that's the one her father used, under the chestnut trees. She was all alone, and she made a sign for me to approach. Oh no, they would see us, and I have no permission. I entered the grotto of the holy face where I began to cry. Lifting up my head, I saw with surprise little sister Therese seated on a trunk of a tree at my side. She said, I haven't been forbidden to come to you, and even though I should die of it, I want to console you. Can you see the steel in that? And this she is, uh, well, as we'll see immediately, she is com- uh, completely ill, but she will not leave this sister suffering like that. She dried my tears and placed my head on her heart. I begged her to return to her wheelchair, for she was trembling with fever. Yes, but not before you have laughed for me. This I did immediately for fear she would get worse, and I helped her regain her wheelchair. That's casting flowers. And the next thing you have there is that smile that she gives a sister St. Peter that completely wins this sister's heart. Okay, let's take at least one letter from uh, Leonie. So let's read this first one. This is May 13th, 1900, and she's writing to her uncle. Her aunt has just died uh, just very shortly before Leonie is definitively accepted into the visitation. This is her fourth try when she said that I'm not coming out of here except in my casket. And uh, she does. This is the beginning of her 41 years. So she's gone through the novitiate. And now, finally, her life is settled. They're, they're admitting her to final vows. And so she will definitively be a religious for the rest of her life. And she writes to her uncle, Our dear mother, the superior, wanted me to send you a telegram to tell you the good news immediately. So she has just been informed that she is going to be admitted to, to vows. My gratitude to our beloved mother and the whole community is indescribable. I'd like to be able to describe the joy and deep affection with which I was received. And this is always, she always marvels at how loved she is. I knew I was well loved here, but I didn't imagine it was to that extent. This is the problem, child. Nobody knew what to do with. Dear uncle, I'm sure your joy is great too. I have known your fatherly affection for me for a long time. You were once very worried about my future, especially as you didn't believe I had a religious vocation. Three failed attempts. It is understandable, dear uncle, after all that's happened over the last 13 years, and those are the failed attempts, my God, how I suffered. But I don't regret it, as I appreciate and savor my happiness all the more now. Soon I'll be able to call myself the spouse of Jesus, Is that possible? I must be dreaming, but I'm not. It's true. It's an absolute certainty. I have reached port. What bliss. My holy visitandine aunt's prophecy, who had prophesied that she would be a visitation sister, has come true to the letter. I am and will be a little, oh yes, very little, visitandine for eternity. Thank you for your kind letter, dear uncle. You will bring me immense pleasure by coming to my profession. It cannot take place before the 1st of July, 
and I ardently hope that the bishop arranges it for the same day as the Feast of the Visitation. And that's what happened July 2nd. Now, in deep peace, I'm going to prepare for the greatest and most wonderful day of my life. I want to be adorned like my little Therese on the day of her own profession. So I'm praying very hard to her to help me. Just the first lines of um, Pauline's response when she hears this. What joy, what a surprise. It made me weep with happiness. There are no words to convey my feelings. And she continues. And then let's just read the last letter here. And we'll conclude with this. So this is written in uh, 1941, and it's five weeks before her death. Beloved little sisters. So Marie has died at this point. So it's Celine and Pauline to whom she's writing. My heart is full to bursting at seeing so much affection on your part. You see what I mean about it's all heart. It's all the heart to give and receive love. That's all she wants. The tears I shed are very sweet. I can feel your prayers significantly helping me climb my Calvary because she has physical uh, struggles at this point. Together with the blessings of our family up above, which is always in, in the forefront in their hearts, and in particular those of our holy visitant dean aunt, whom I love so dearly and venerate still. Our mama lamb, so their superior was called uh, Agnes, uh, which means lamb, believes that once I'm gone, the close ties that exist between our two families, the visitation in Caen and the Carmelites in Lisieux, will diminish considerably. I personally think the contrary. I beg of you, reassure her, for it pains me and me, uh, it pains her and me as well as a result. Do you have any more propaganda pictures that would be holy cards and so forth about Therese left to give her? Her large and very generous heart is insatiable when it comes to pleasing others and spreading devotion to her favorite saint. Now watch what's written here. She knows that she doesn't have much longer to live. This is a little note from the soul of a great sinner, one who cannot be afraid of God. And this is true throughout all of her life. She never had any fear of God. And this is pure little way, which she has deeply absorbed and lived by this time. On the contrary, it's my extreme poverty that makes me so confident and it fills me with joy to think that when I leave the maternal arms of our beloved mother, the superior, I'll quite naturally fall into those of Jesus and my heavenly mama. How bold I am. I'm so pleased to know that the constitutions relating to our revered aunt are in your hands. That would be the copy of the constitutions that she had and used. Your, your little sister who loves you so very deeply, Sor Francoise Therese. We are only at the beginning of the role that Leonie is going to play. Uh, in the in the church, and I'll just conclude by referring to the sources. This is the book with the letters of Zeli, a call to a deeper love, and then these are the two volumes of the letters of Therese, about thirteen hundred pages. If you decide to read them, it takes a little bit of uh, I guess I'd call it spiritual stamina uh, to go through them, but that's where they're available. And then also the um, archive of the Carmel of Lisieux. If you just do a web search for archive of the Carmel of Lisieux, it will come up and everything is available in either French or English. There are photos, all the letters are there. So that's something you can dive into if you want. And of course, it's easily accessible. So I will conclude there. But it's really been a delight to share this. So I hope it's been fruitful for, for all of us. You've been listening to the podcast, which contains 
the audio taken from the Discerning Hearts Retreat, Hope in Difficult Times, with St. Therese and her family, with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this audio, or to view the video taken at the retreat, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app or on the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Hope in Difficult Times with St. Therese and her family with Father Timothy Gallagher.